Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Text this morning is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, which was read earlier. Brothers and sisters of Christ, how about that church at Ephesus? And what a model church, at least comparatively speaking. I mean, there seemed to be nothing really wrong happening there. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is not as spicy as, let's say, those he wrote to that naughty naval and shady seaport of Corinth. But that's okay. In fact, it's great, and Paul thanked God for the great things that he had done for them. He thanked God the Father for creating and calling these people. He thanked God the Son for redeeming these people. You thank God the Holy Spirit for sealing these people in the Father's love. What a great scene. What a great church. What possibly could be the purpose for Paul's letter to this church? Well, Paul wanted to encourage the Ephesians to grow in their understanding of God, as well as grow in their appreciation for what God had done. You know, in many ways, St. John's is like that church at Ephesus. I mean, this too is a very strong and favorable congregation. There's really nothing wrong or nothing really bad that's happening here. Like Paul, we too can thank God the Father for creating and calling us. We can thank God the Son for redeeming us. We can thank God the Holy Spirit for sealing us in the Father's love. What a great scene. What a great church. But possibly it could be the purpose of this text for our congregation? Well, we too are encouraged to grow in our understanding of God as well as grow in our appreciation for what he has done for us. We are now in the Easter season of the church year and we use this time to celebrate our Lord's risen presence among his people. That risen presence begins with Easter and ends with Ascension. Both Easter and Ascension deal directly with Christ, and both Easter and Ascension deal directly with you and me. And we see that God demonstrates his power in both Easter and Ascension. In verse 20 we read, with that power he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That same power God worked in Christ, he has worked in you and me. In chapter 2, verse 6, we read, we will read, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sweet. The victory of Easter and the glory of ascension belong to us now in faith. There are some gifts that Jesus promised, and Paul prayed that the Ephesians, and we too, would receive these gifts. He prayed that we know God, and this knowledge happens when the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, and wisdom is the knowledge of God's divine plan, which was previously hidden, and wisdom rests upon revelation, which is also given us by the Holy Spirit. And Revelation is the disclosing of the benefits of salvation. To sum it up, 
we know God through revelation and with wisdom. But wait, there's more. Not only can we know God, not only can we appreciate God, but we can appreciate those benefits he has given to us. And, and those benefits are spelled out in our text. Hope. The expectation of eternal salvation. We have that. The riches of his glorious inheritance. We'll get that. We have a down payment on it right now. Power. That same power God demonstrated when he raised Jesus from the dead. We have that power. We can know and appreciate who we are and what we have when we know and appreciate who God is and what he has given us. But we live in a time and place which encourages us to start with ourselves, to look down at what the world offers instead of looking up in appreciation for what God has given us. We're encouraged to look at the wisdom of the world, the revelation of the world, the hope of the world, the riches of the world, the power of the world. Now who's looking down instead of up? Well, there's the obvious atheist, but also the subtle synergist. Now the obvious atheist is pretty recognizable. For this person, hope is found in oneself, not God. In success, not salvation. In humanity, not humility. But such a hope not only starts down, but ultimately goes down in death. For the obvious atheist, riches are material, not spiritual. But then again, material doesn't matter if you can't take it with you. For the obvious atheist, power is measured by taking, not giving. It is merely comparative and very relative. But then again, the power of death is relatively ultimate for those apart from Christ. The obvious atheist, probably not us, but how about that subtle synergist? The subtle synergist wants to take some of the credit for the blessings received from God. Not only that, but they want to redefine these benefits to their own liking. Hope? Well, the expectation of heaven is reduced to periodical warm fuzzies on earth. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with warm fuzzies but they are a little less profound than, say, the promise of heaven, and they don't last as long either. Riches? Well, the riches of the glorious inheritance is reduced to health and wealth now. And again, there's nothing wrong with health and wealth, but these are not necessarily promised, and again, are fleeting compared to the riches of his glorious inheritance. Power? Well, power is reduced to doing things in God's name, but without God's spirit. The subtle synergist prefers to be a golden urn rather than a clay pot or an earthen vessel. But in Christ, and in his gracious disposition toward us, not only did he look down to earth, but he came down to our world. He came down in humiliation. And all those blessings of hope and riches and power that we receive were achieved by him in an ironically humiliating fashion. Our hope happened 
because of Christ's hopeless situation. Our life is restored because Christ passed through death's door. The riches of God's glory happened because of Christ's poverty. He was stripped of his dignity and hanged with common criminals. And God's power was demonstrated in Christ's weakness. You know, I often thought that Christ should have opened up a can of whooping on those who crucified him, but instead he forgave them. Instead, he set aside his divine power so that he could assume our weakness, our, our hell, our death. But he is risen, and he is exalted at the right hand of the Father. So we can rejoice for the hope we have of heaven, for the riches of God's glorious inheritance, and for the power of the resurrected Christ, which is ours through faith. Now, just because Christ sits at the right hand of his Father in heaven doesn't mean that he's there and not here. There's a little doctrine called the ubiquity of Christ. That means that since Christ is both true God and true man, he can be in more than one place at one time. So Jesus is at the right hand of his Father, and Jesus is right here today among us in his word, and in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's why we proclaim the real presence in communion. You know, when Luther debated Zwingli at Marburg, Luther scribbled a little Latin phrase on the table so just to remind himself, hoc est corpus meum. This is my body, Jesus said. Is means is. So when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are confident that Christ is fully present at both his Father's right hand, as well as in, with, and under the elements of bread and wine. Yet one more gift from our risen and ascended Lord. Hope, riches of his glorious inheritance, and power. What a great day to celebrate these blessings that our Lord has given us. And in Arnold's words, He'll be back. And until our Lord's glorious return, we are to be about his work. You see, Christ is not resting. He's ruling. So let's see ourselves living in active praise and appreciation, recognizing what God has given us and what God has given us to do. And he spells that out pretty clearly in the last chapter of Matthew when we hear Jesus saying, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Our risen Lord is with us today and will be forever. And he gives us a lot of power. That power not only gets us through those tough spells in life, but also equips us to get at it making disciples of all nations. Amen.